Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Phileas Club exists because of its patrons at patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. The link is in the show notes. If you enjoy the show, if you find it useful or enjoyable in some way, then please do consider donating to the Patreon because that is how the show is financed. If you don't support, then the show doesn't exist. So thanks to all of those who do and thank you for considering doing so if you don't already. Hey everyone and welcome to the Phineas Club. This is episode 141, the fourth episode in the Brexit Saga series, The Reckoning. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phileas Club, a special, special episode today, because we are getting to the last uh, or last-ish episode in the Brexit saga. I think we should have a, a catchy name for it, like uh, Brexit Saga for the Reckoning or something like that. My name is Patrick Beja. Brexit happened, and we have four wonderful UK or UK adjacent uh, guests to talk about all of this with. Uh, first, let's welcome my fellow uh, European Union citizen, Bart from <laughs> Ireland. Hey, Bart, how's it going? I am doing just fine. Wonderful. Uh, you'll, we'll also talk about elections that happened in Ireland that I wasn't aware happened and that might lead us to talk to Brexit also. Um, in the northern part of the uh, still United Kingdom, Bruce is with mm. us as well from Scotland. Hey, Bruce. Hi, Patrick. And, and for the record, we're still, uh, we're still European until the, at least the 30th of December, 31st of December. Wait, are you European? Are you EU citizens? Yeah, we still are. It's it's just we can get into it later, but we're not okay. actually left. We've just its transition period has started. Okay, so, so during mm -hmm. the transition period, oh, so that's why Smug Gareth was able to say the world hasn't ended. Um, the the world hasn't ended yet is the caveat Yet. that we needed to add. <laughs> it's just coming. It's been delayed. The, the end of the world, Gareth, has been delayed to the, uh, the 31st of December after the transition period. Hey, our amazing uh, uh, pro-Brexit uh, representative, Gareth, is here as well. Welcome. Hey, everybody. We are still kicking that can down that road. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think it's fair to say that a substantial step has been taken. And it seems, indeed, the world hasn't begun to end at the very least. I think that's no, to say. No, we're, we're not showing any particular signs. There's been a couple of bad storms, but I don't think we can really attribute those <laughs> to the <laughs> I mean, yes, the, the, the apocalypse might be happening, but that's a different kind of end of the world. And finally, the youngest member of the panel, because he's only been here once before, uh, from Wales, Alex, is here as well. Hi all. Uh, yep, Alex here, reporting in from South Wales. I think uh, so far it seems things have kind of nothing's really happened. Is kind of the gist of it so far. It feels like everything's kind of gone off with a whimper, more of a bang. But I'm sure we'll get into that later. I, I think that's what we were um, discussing in via, via email before we um, actually started recording. And it seems everyone's sentiment was kind of similar. It was like, oh. Well, I guess it happened. It's now Wednesday. That's different from yesterday, but apart from that, that's about it. Um, so let's start maybe with a little bit of the sentiment. And I'll open um, because for me, on the 31st of January, when the transition period started and, and Brexit technically um, it was actually uh, has actually begun or i guess we can't say it happened um for me 
the 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 chief sentiment was uh sadness because it felt like it felt like a breakup honestly it's like they don't want to be with us anymore you know or or it's like a friend who says i just don't want to be friends anymore and um obviously we've been close for a long time and we've been together for uh decades in the european union and a lot longer as fellow europeans and it fe it feels like a little bit of a betrayal but mostly it's like why don't they like me <laughs> you know why, why doesn't she like me am i not good enough and and just sadness so i think that's what uh that's how i feel um i think that sentiment is echoed a little bit with bruce so i'll go to him and then we can move um i don't know towards something i don't know but bruce how did you feel um it was pretty sad um actually i've got lots of uh lots of friends in the in the eu and you know while we're not leaving um we while we didn't nothing actually happened it was a i guess a like a poignant moment um it was it yeah, was yeah sorry we mentioned of... we, we mentioned before we started um the transition period means oh, yeah. that you're still eu citizens from now you can travel the the trade yeah. is still happening right it's like nothing technically yeah. changes immediately no, nothing's changed the only thing that's happened is that our representatives our, our members of the european par parliament are now well they, they don't have a seat anymore uh, or a voice in the eu parliament parliament for the next 11 months um so in essence we've got even less sovereignty for the next 11 months Um, than we had before. We've got no control over any mm. of over anything that happens in the in the EU, um, but we we are still in it in that we can use our passports to go backwards and forwards. And um, okay. so there's no there's no there's no actual change to everyday person's life yet. And so your sentiment is also like you were sad. I guess Scotland was a bit sad. Oh a bit yeah. Angry. There, there, there's an there's an element of of almost anger in parts of Scotland um, at at the way the British government has been handling it and treating Scotland. Um, in that, um, you know, there the Scottish Parliament. I don't know if we spoke about it before, but they put forward a a motion to um, to stay in the EU and to block uh, Brexit, but that obviously got ignored by. Um, by Westminster. So so yeah, it, it it's sad. It is sad. Okay. And sadness. There's nothing can yeah. Uh what about Wales? Uh is it also sadness or do you care? Uh Bart, if you want to chime in, yeah. I, I yeah. I, I have a slightly different sort of feeling, which was actually one of relief. Because oh. right, what seems to have been overlooked is what was the big fear was a crash out. Right. That means no transition period, like even air traffic control and stuff breaks down. Right. The crash out was the big fear that didn't happen because Boris Johnson got a withdrawal agreement through Parliament and the European Union got it through their Parliament. And so what we're in now is an organized separation. So we're, you know, if you want to use a divorce metaphor, we're having a conscious uncoupling instead of a blowout disaster. Mm. And um, I, I don't think that's been appreciated enough that that actually took a lot of work. And that's actually that's why the world hasn't ended, because as much as I'm sad we're doing it, thank goodness we're doing it right. I think uh, can I button there, uh, Bart, because I agree with you. But then there's also the fact that this is what's been negotiated since the beginning as a transition period. We now have 11 months to negotiate every single little bit, like the the air traffic control, like the uh, European um, Atomic Agency, like all of these things. Um, so it's, it's in essence, I think it's just delaying it, unless the government can sort all those things out in 11 months. Um, And you, you that, think that, they won't that, sort that, all I, of it? Or there will be significant issues uh, on December 31st, when I the transition period ends? I work in local government, um, Patrick. I know how quickly things move, and 11 months is may as well be two or three days um, in, right. for some things. Um, sorry, okay. but I didn't mean to. But, but well, no, I mean uh, you're right. There's a lot of work to do, but we could have we could have been in serious mm -hmm. trouble very quickly. We, you know, I I just think it's good that we've we've made it to the transition period in an orderly yeah. fashion. Yeah, I, I I can agree with that. 
Alex, uh, before we move on to to Gareth, um, how's the feeling in in Wales? It, from last the last episode, um, I got the feeling that things were a little bit more I don't know muted or ambivalent. Um, but how's it going now? Uh, yeah, like the same tone kind of continues. It's it's a bit of a weird situation in Wales because it feels like. We're the country in the UK that will be the most impacted by this, given the amount of funding we get from the European Union. And then again, everything in Wales seems to be a case of like almost felt like everyone kind of ignored the day. It was just like, great, it's another day. Nothing really happens. And uh, we just all continued our lives because end of the day, we're not going to see the impact yet. We're not going to see it for a while either. And that's why we're, we're not seeing these big issues right now. Mm. The question is going to be where we see ourselves in maybe five, ten years down the line. And we're not getting that funding coming through, etc. And the kind of the holes have to be filled. But for now, in Wales, at least, it's it's very much the case of, okay, that happens. Okay, great, let's move on. Has uh, Westminster addressed the issue of EU funding to Wales directly? And have they said we'll, we'll take that over, or is it like a big unknown? Uh, still a big unknown at the moment. I think there's going to be a relatively big black hole in the uh, the budget now for South Wales that needs to be plugged, but we'll see how that goes. But right now, there's there's no real uh, plan to address it that I've seen so far. Um, I do want to ask Gareth what his plan is now that he's gotten his Brexit that he wanted, uh, the plan for, you know, Wales and South Wales with those subsidies. But... I won't because obviously it's not his specific role to manage that. Instead, um, I'll very genuinely ask, um, are you personally and, you know, people of your um, camp who, are, who thought the Brexit would be a good thing, I guess you're happy? Yeah, I mean... Uh happy and and as, as i said in the in the pre-record you know trying to not be smug because that's you know not becoming um but i am glad that that it's happened i'm glad that we have you know an agreement that we do have a transition period because there is lots that we've got to sort out um uh slightly flippantly i think the the Welsh deficit problem can probably be solved by all of the English people who will no longer be able to take holidays abroad. So we can all go to <laughs> Scotland and Wales uh, and increase the uh, the tourism um, take there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's happened. It, it is what I wanted. So yes, I'm, I'm pleased about that. Um, you know, I'd echo the sadness as well. You know, you go and look through the, the headlines of all of the, the European papers, um, The, the, the day of or the day after Brexit. And it was very much, as you say, it was a, oh, we're breaking up. Mm. This is this is sad. And I think my feeling was prior to that, it was very much a, you know, what are you English doing? You're all crazy. That sort of response. So I, I feel it has switched a little bit from, you know, what are you doing? You're all mad to, oh, no, this is this is actually happening. Um, now we're sad. Mm. Um Yeah, so, yes, there's definitely a little bit of sadness. You don't want to, yeah, I think even, again, using the uh, relationship metaphor, even when you're in a relationship, even when people are in abusive relationships, and I'm not necessarily saying that, that Europe to the UK is an abusive relationship, but, you know, people are still sad. Mm. Splitting, breaking up's not easy to do. Um, and even if you think it's for the better, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it doesn't... Uh, doesn't have some sort of emotional impact on you yeah i think that's that's very fair I, i i don't think you're saying that you were sad as well but maybe a little bit yeah emotional like oh well it's ending yeah well no it, it's it's sad that the uk is being part of europe you know the participation in europe um has finished that yeah. is definitely sad um but that doesn't necessarily mean that i don't still think it's the right thing for us to have right. done of course of course it's um it just to uh, um to uh talk about something you said uh obviously or maybe not obviously i think we're going to get some um visa waiver program for uh british citizens so i think it will be easy to go on vacation uh to the in the eu I would be surprised, you know, just like we have visa waiver programs with almost every uh, Western country, um, 
So I think I, I wouldn't count on tourism too much for uh, Wales and uh, or Scotland because I don't think it's going to be that much more difficult to come um, for vacation to France. Uh, it's no, it's I, just staying long. I don't that yeah, I don't necessarily think that I do either, really. Uh, I, I, it's, just, it's another one of the things that needs to be you know, properly sorted out and, right. and the population need to be informed about what the new rules are. Right, right. Um, you know, a friend of mine's just applied for a new passport. Um, she, uh, you know, she sent me a message last night um, and, I, and, I, and I responded with, which sort are you going to get? <laughs> uh, because presumably, if she's applying for a passport now, it's going to be a UK passport. Um, but, but I have no idea. Uh, she has no idea. Well, it's always <laughs> a UK passport, but I mean, I guess it doesn't have to comply with EU regulations at some point, I guess, during the transition. I don't know. We don't know. No one knows. No. Um, Bart, well, there's a how's... bigger question here as well. Um, what what color is the passport going to be? Will it be one of those new blue ones? Will it be the, uh, <laughs> the well, old? This is, this is the thing. That, and, you know, if you have, for example, you know, I, I have a, a passport currently. I have a standard normal eu passport do i have to replace that before the end of the year if i want to travel abroad or do i get to keep that one until it expires and then get a new one yeah i'm and sure the, the expiration could be a long time right and a passport is probably somewhere in the 50 to 100 pound range i'd guess so that's not nothing no, yeah, I, yeah, no i'm I'll sure they're gonna about. they're gonna keep them uh they're gonna let them let you keep them for a long time and it was it will just be known that a uk passport which is pre-brexit has the this and this kind of characteristic and effect and um yeah i i presume so i guess so hope so <laughs> bart uh i mean you're in, obviously as we always say you're in ireland not in northern <laughs> ireland so you're not uh in the uk but still mm -hmm. um very close o only what land border <laughs> what's the sentiment uh what was the sentiment on the day and uh and then maybe you can talk about that election that you mentioned earlier oh they're very related and yet unrelated so um the sentiment on the day was like well about effing time like to be honest we as a nation we are so sick of this will they won't they will they won't they mm. the only emotion i got as, around the coffee table was well thank goodness that's done and uh, thank goodness the customs border is down the Irish Sea and not across our land border. And um, ha, 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 the unionists didn't get what they wanted. Um, honestly, I mean, I don't share that kind of sentiment, but I heard an awful lot of people sniggering that uh, Arlene Foster didn't get her way. Um, we, so, we have had a situation... Wait a second. I, I, I do... I would like you to explain to me again what okay. that uh, sea border thing how it works because one of the big issues in putting <laughs> together uh the, the brexit um rules was that the uk needed to have a border with uh the eu but it also has to have no border with ireland between northern ireland and ireland and those two rules are incompatible because Ireland is part of the EU, of course. Uh, and yes. the solution was that weird sea border thing, which I you explained to me like yeah. 15 times and I still don't get it. Okay, so the idea is that in terms of trade, so in terms of customs, in terms of regulation of products, Northern Ireland will stay under the European regulations and therefore be able to trade freely with the European Union. But the rest of the UK will be go its own way. Uh, there's also a, a provision that there can be a, a referendum held to change that so that Northern Ireland isn't trapped under EU rules. And so in effect, when it comes to the difference in where does EU law apply, or where does EU regulation of like, you know, how much bloody black can be in chicken, that, that border will be down the Irish Sea. So Northern Ireland will be doing things the European way, and for the transition period, so the rest of the UK, but after the transition period, the UK is free to choose. Now, as part of the trade deal, it may well turn out that the UK choose to stay closely aligned with European regulations, like a country like Switzerland does, because that way they can have easy free trade. So this may be really, really hypothetical. But what we know for sure is that Northern Ireland is staying in the European regulatory, regulatory sphere, and therefore trade between the North and the Republic can continue. 
So in effect, in terms of trade, there's now a customs border between, or there will be on the 31st of January or December, between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom, which is something that the unionists were staunchly, staunchly opposed to. But because they got trounced in the same election that brought Boris to power, they didn't get to have a say. So what about uh, people, though? Because one of the issues is um, immigration, I suppose. Ah. Okay, And, so that's an easier one. Believe okay. it or not, that's easier. Because before the EU existed, Ireland had a free travel agreement with the UK already. And we never joined Schengen. Neither Ireland nor the UK joined Schengen because we already had our own open border. So that just stays. We had it before the EU and we have it after the EU. Wait, so you mean that in order to travel to Ireland, you're not part of Schengen? So it's like a, a visa waiver and not uh, a free... Uh, Ireland uh, is not part of... We don't need visas because we're still in the EU, but we do... We are not in Schengen. So we do not have passportless borders. You have to show your passport to come into right. Ireland. Right. So, so essentially it's a visa waiver because you... you Schengen well, like is... Going, you don't have to sign anything though. So a visa waiver when I fly to the US means I have to fill in a green form. Oh, but that's that's because they're they have those crazy rules. If, if oh, you okay. travel to a country with a visa waiver, you just show your passport and you're good. Um, you don't okay, have yes, to fill. I, I guess you can fill. Some countries will ask you to fill like I have never been a terrorist. I have never been arrested in this country. But that's different from. Um... Yeah. So you land in Dublin and absolutely everyone goes through passport control. And okay. and then when you come to customs, you then have a choice of blue channel. If you've come from a European place, no customs check, green channel or red channel. Okay, so that means that, uh, yeah, it's it's the, the sea border, now I understand yeah. it. And then it will, the UK will decide what they do um, with this towards the end of the year. And yeah. the, the, we'll get to your election in a second, but yeah. a little bit of the irony here, um, which I, I'm sure Gareth understands, but if you want to have... Uh, as free as possible trade with the EU, you're going to have to follow EU rules for um, safety regulations, etc., etc., except you won't have a say in it at all anymore um, because yeah. that's the way the power dynamic is going to work. But, I mean, that's the theory that people in the EU see. Maybe it will work differently, but that's... Um, the, 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 well, the, the UK are going to have to choose, right? Because if they want to have a really open relationship with the US, they're going to have to go by US regulations, which are not the same as EU regulations. Or they may have to negotiate sector by sector and say that when it comes to agriculture, we'll align with Europe, which would make a lot of sense. But when it comes to cars or something, we might align with America. And you, you could go sector by sector and say that for this sector, we take European rules. And for this other sector, we take American rules so that there's, I mean, it's just if it was longer than 11 months, we'd be able to do a lot better a deal. Mm. But there's a lot of possibilities. And so it's, it's likely to not be a straightforward, we'll do everything that Europe wants. Right. I think it's so likely to be much more cherry picked. There, there's the freedom to, to do that now that uh, you're not in the EU anymore. You can decide, well, for this, we have a bigger um, trade relationship with the US, so we'll make things easier there by aligning our um, regulations yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, there's two things at play here as well, aren't there? So there's, there's the UK companies who wish to export. Um, so for them... It doesn't, nothing really changes. So we can change what we want to do here. Um, and as long as whatever we change the rules to doesn't make your product illegal in this country, you can still export it. So if you are exporting to the US currently, you are aligned with the US rules for whatever you export to the US. If you're sending stuff into Europe, it should already have been aligned with that because we, we were in How else are you selling it? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so there's that side of things, which as far as I can see, I mean, maybe, you know, if we said, um, I don't know, electronic components have to be 3% safer in the UK than they used to be, then you would have a difference between what you're selling to the UK market to what you're selling to Europe now, for example. But that's sort of one side of the coin. And then, of course, the other side is what we're buying in, so what we're importing. And again, at the moment, anyone that's selling stuff to the UK from America is selling it to the European spec and anything that's coming in from Europe is coming with the European spec. So 
It would only that's be the thing. changes. If, if the, if the um, US wants to sell stuff in the EU, they have to adapt them to EU standards. And if you change the UK standards to make them different from the EU standards, do you think the companies that are American who want to sell to the EU are going to do yet another alteration to sell it to the UK as well? I'm sure some of them will. You know, it's still a big market. But by and large, I suppose that most companies, American or otherwise, would be would find it easier to do trade with the, the huge uh, population of the EU and align with those regulations. So it seems to... The, the logical path there is, well, the UK might be better off aligning its regulations with EU regulations so that they can attract... There's a attract... perverse incentive, Patrick. There's what, right. sorry? There's a perverse incentive here. There's an asymmetry has just come in, right? Because you're absolutely right. If the UK were to try to make stricter rules than the EU, it would be really, really difficult. So they couldn't make more safe. But if the EU, if the UK were to decide anything goes, let's just get anything in, they could slacken the rules to be much more like exporting to places with very few rules. And then you could import a whole bunch of stuff that you can't import now. Mm. Okay, right. And so obviously there's, there's, there's safety concerns about, you know, that sort, that sort of stuff, isn't there? But, but that, yeah, that's kind of the, the point is that we can, we can sort of choose to align either which way that, that we want to mm. now. We okay. don't have to follow what Europe say. I think the, the, the poster boy for this is chlorinated chicken, is what people I was just going to say, I didn't <laughs> want to jump into the cliche, but that is the obvious example. You could reduce food safety standards and allow a whole bunch of cheap meat in from places that we currently don't allow in because EU rules are really very good on food safety. Yeah. 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 Are there lots of Americans dying from eating chicken, though? Oh, well, I don't think you want to go to... The American health is not something to yes. hold up. In yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think That's American true. health is not necessarily the, the, the thing you want to point to for, um, well, as an to example. Go into detail, and I quickly, there actually is a higher percentage of people getting stuff like salmonella and other kind of diseases from poorly clean food, etc. in America in comparison to the rest of Europe. So mm -hmm. there is some evidence at least to suggest that the standards aren't as good and is impacting health in America. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, that's at least an overview of that issue. Um, so, so do we Bart, get to my yeah. election? <laughs> yes, yes, please. Go ahead. That's what I was going right. to uh, switch to. Yeah, because there's context here, right? And it, Brexit really has been both really important and utterly irrelevant to the Irish election. So we have had a minority government, which is a very rare thing in Ireland or indeed in most countries. So the government does not have the majority of parliament. And the only reason the government has been able to govern is because they had something called a confidence and supply agreement with another major party. So that means is in terms of the budget, the other party will vote with the government so that budgets can pass and therefore the government doesn't fall. And for all other votes, the other party abstains, which reduces the number of seats in parliament, making the minority government actually have a majority of people actually voting. And that is a very unstable situation because the party that's holding up the government with confidence and supply can change their mind at any time and trigger a general election, right? If one budget fails to go through, the parliament is considered to have collapsed because if, the, if parliament can't allocate money, it's not parliament anymore. So to everyone's surprise, that was stable for years. And the reason it was stable was because of Brexit. No one wanted to trigger an Irish government collapse in the middle of Brexit negotiations. Mm. And the only reason we have a general election when we did is it's not a coincidence. It's a couple of weeks after Brexit date. That is entirely what everyone expected as soon as there was this lull. So Britain voted, you know, Boris got his vote through Parliament. It was definitely happening on the 31st of January. And then there'd be a little lull time before the really serious negotiations got going. And that is the perfect time for Ireland to change governments. And that's why we had our general election this Saturday. So... Given the election was made by Brexit, Brexit was irrelevant in the election. When they did exit polling on what affected people's votes, Brexit ranked at like 5%. It was not on people's mind. It was local issues. It was particularly the housing well, I mean, crisis here it's and settled, healthcare. It's settled now. So how, how no, could you... No, that's not why. The, oh. re the reason why is because all of our parties agree on what they want from Brexit. Brexit is not controversial here. We know exactly what we want, as close a relationship between the UK and Ireland and Europe as is possible. 
all of our parties agree. So there was no point in arguing about Brexit during our general election. We're all on the same page here, every mm. single party. So that's why it was just not an issue in the elections, because it was a given. It didn't matter that Leo Varadkar had done a really good job negotiating, because we all know that the other two party leaders would have been just as good. Okay. And, oh, did you... And that surprised the hell out of all the Europeans, because everyone was expecting this to be a Brexit election, but we all agree, so it just wasn't about that. Hmm. And so how did it go? What happened? Oh, surprising as all the heck is how it went. Um, <laughs> so for the history of Ireland, we have had two parties flip-flopping over and back in terms of government. They're basically centre-right Christian Democrats. The only difference between them is what side they were on in Ireland's civil war a century ago. They, they agree <laughs> on almost everything. But they hate each other. And so they never go into government together. Mm. And those two have always had the bulk of power. So it was basically a bipolar system. And now Sinn Féin, who are a, an all-Ireland party, Sinn Féin are in government in Northern Ireland, and the same party is now also running in Irish elections in the Republic. They are a Republican party who want to united Ireland. They won the highest share of first preference votes. They did so well, they hadn't actually run enough candidates to capitalise on how well they did. So while they got the most first preference votes, they didn't actually have enough candidates to take enough seats <laughs> to get the most seats in Parliament. So they're the second biggest bloc in Parliament by, I think, a two or three seat difference. So they're very, very close to being the biggest. So instead of having two polls, we're now a tripolar state. And the two parties who are completely aligned in terms of policy hate each other. And they either need to find the courage to get over a civil war 100 years ago and form a government. It's the most obvious government is the two centre-right parties together. Mm. Or the third party has to somehow get over the fact that everyone has been saying for as long as I have been alive, we will never do business with Sinn Féin because they're terrorists. I, so someone has to get over do, something do, they do have they held still, dear for a century. Do they still feel like Sinn Féin is, is terrorists? They, they've stopped violent action like, what, three, three decades ago? Okay, so the new party leader is is a young, dynamic woman from Dublin. She is as far from your typical terrorist as you could possibly imagine. So her, she has shifted the image of the party massively. But the party still has its old guard, and they slip out in the most embarrassing of ways. <laughs> so in a post-election celebration, one of their successful candidates actually shouted, Up the Ra! The Ra being slang for the IRA. So okay. all of a sudden, all the baggage... Hooves interview by one idiot. Okay. Um, yeah, everybody else at that party is sat in the corner cringing, thinking, <sighs> I wish he hadn't said that. And the, I can only imagine the party leader who's trying to negotiate to, to become prime minister. She's sitting there going, oh, there isn't a worse thing on the planet any of my newly elected TDs could have said. It, it's such an embarrassment. So, yeah, that, that is where we stand. So. T take a coin and toss it, because any Irish government is possible, and there's three people who could be Irish Prime Minister. Okay, and uh, what does it mean for uh, Ireland? Because you said it's they all know what they want from Brexit, which is a very close mm -hmm. relationship with blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I yeah. didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. No, no, but, no it's, 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 uh, yeah, but it's, it's obvious what we want, right? We, we right. want to keep trading with the UK. So you, you are going to... I mean, you're going to get it, right? There's no, yes. it seems like there's very little question that this is not going to, uh, or going to happen. I, that is how it looks. But if, if all collapses, the WTO rules, because we because it can't get over the line in time, that's the danger now. How bad are WTO rules? Because it works for <sighs> many countries. Right, but... Suddenly having tariffs appear between everything that crosses between the island of Ireland and the neighbouring island of England, Scotland and Wales would be huge for us because we've had a really close trading relationship for years. Oh, because you mean it wouldn't be free trade. It would be... It wouldn't be free trade. There'd be right, tariffs yeah. and everything. WTO yeah. have a standard tariff for, you know, there's like this book that you could kill someone with <laughs> listing every possible <laughs> thing you can trade and what the rate is. Mm. Okay. Okay. Based on based on commodity code, isn't it? It's a, it's a huge, yeah. huge list of uh, yeah, what yes, what tariffs you have to charge in and out on what particular commodity codes of product. Okay, so I guess that's the fear. It I, well, yeah, it seems to me. I'll be honest. I, I hate the idea of, of Brexit, as you know. I think it's a mistake for the UK. I think it it weakens the EU. You all 
know all of this, but it seems to me like maybe some areas are not going to be covered, but it seems unlikely that there will be major uh, doomsday scenario happening um, in, in that regard. I guess, Bruce, you're probably the most... Um, I don't want to. I I think I can say agitated <laughs> anti-Brexiter in the in the group. Um, do you still yeah. think there would be a potential for a doomsday at the uh, end of December? Or, and I'm trying to get you to channel your you know the Twitter mode where people always <laughs> uh, uh, assume that everything is going to be the uh, worst version of of what it can be. Um, well. Well, I've I've I follow a lot of um, pro and anti Brexit people, and I think the important thing to note is that we are in a transition period, and Brexit hasn't happened yet. Um, and and I will I'll repeat this over and over because that is the that is essentially why nothing, or at least it seems like nothing has happened. Mm. Um, but if you look below the st surface and start scratching, I don't know if uh, if anyone else has heard, but there was an incident in Guernsey um, where they decided unilaterally, um, that Guernsey's a little island. Uh, it's actually closer to the French border than it is to the, uh, to the British border. Uh, and they decided that uh, they were going to require French boats to have a fishing permit. Um, as of from the day after the third, you know, um, Brexit day, uh, there was no warning about this. There was nothing. So they just blocked these French boats uh, from from fishing in the waters. Now, interestingly, um, I won't go into all the fishing details, but there's a lot there that's quite emotive within the UK because it's quite a it's quite a high political item, even though it's very small financially. Yeah. Um, but it would seem that like that would be either legal or illegal. Um, well, um, I, I guess the, the legality of it is not really known. And I think the misunderstanding as to what Brexit day, as, as they called it, was, um, you, you know, was, was that. So these these permits were required. And then what happened with the French, uh, the French fishermen, uh, they couldn't go fish for a couple of days while they got their permits, um, basically said they can refuse uh, the Guernsey boats from landing their fish in France. So, you know, there was a, there was an, I, and I haven't confirmed the story, but I know there was definitely a thread of it, but there was a, a story that the Guernsey boats then had to, their, their fish rotted on their boats because they couldn't uh, couldn't land them. Now, I, I haven't confirmed if that's exactly true, but I know there was a threat of it. Um, so you know there was this there was this regulation suddenly uh, uh, put on by Guernsey because they thought you know they were they they had the right to. Uh, I'm not okay, sure. Okay, but let's what, be, let's be fair. This this seems like an anecdotal issue. Um, it, it, I'm not saying well, it's not an issue, but it doesn't seem like. Right, it's a, it's it's an important. Well, I guess in Scotland, Scotland's got a a, a lot of uh, interest in fishing rights, um, and even though it's a very small part of the economy, it's a very big political issue, as I've said, and um, it's the one area. It is actually the one area where the UK has leverage over the EU, uh, the the British fishing waters as under international law, so that's within 200 miles of the border or the median with the next country, are actually a lot more um, productive uh, than um, than the rest of the, than the other waters within the EU. And uh, so, you know, for example, 40% of Danish uh, fishing stock is actually fished within the international borders uh, as they would be defined by by international law. Now, under EU law, uh, that's only 12, mi 12 miles, and the rest is, I think it's called the European um, exclusion zone or European something zone. And uh, so that's free for everyone within the EU to fish in. So under under Brexit, we're going to have to push that out to 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 what it is. And, and a lot of the European fishers are quite... Um, I guess they're worried about it. Their livelihoods are at stake. Mm. Uh, whereas the British fishers have been saying for years and years and years now that uh, that you, you know they needed the EU regulation has been that what they've been told by the UK government is that EU regulation is what's uh, limiting their fishing. And and while there may be some truth in that, 
we go back to our old friend Nigel Farage, who was uh, on the EU Fishing Commission. He was our elected um, official within the EU to uh, discuss and discuss the quotas. And there were 42 um, meetings of the EU Commission within that time. Nigel Farage attended one. Um, so for me, there, there, there's a lesson here because he spent his time complaining about the EU, but he never actually did anything within the EU. Um, he never actually did his job. And and then there's a the the irony is is that uh, a British celebrity chef Hugh Fernley Whitting Whittingstall I can never say his name um, actually petitioned the EU a few years ago because uh, fish people doing fishing they would go out catch their fish and they'd come back and they would have too much they would you know it would be above their quota so they'd just throw dead fish back into the water because they weren't allowed to to trade it or to to land it um he he got that rule changed uh through petitioning and through lots of things so the eu was tractable it was it did move and it did listen to to reason and this to me is a central central um illustration of what's going on with brexit now is that we've had this long 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 political issue where Farage has been going on about fishing where he could have done something for years. It was blamed on the EU when actually they were never the problem in the first place. And yes, we do have some leverage. But in saying that, um, the EU has has leverage over our financial institutions, which are which are about 100 times, I, I, I shit you not, about 100 times more um, influential and, and important to our uh, GDP, which... Uh, you know, which which is um, which is important to us. So, using fishing you know, as a lever leverage tool against the EU, yeah, you know, it's 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 good and it's bad. And and then you've got people making assumptions about what they can and can't do within Guernsey that actually may end up biting us in the ass. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Bruce. I feel mm -hmm. like you're kind of like the anti-Trump. Uh, crowd, um, <laughs> you're still fighting the 2016 election. Yeah, is how yeah, I feel, uh, and I—that's I, a sentiment that I I think is common in in both of those. And we always talk about the two, you know, Brexit and the election of Trump. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. In in parallel, I think because there are a lot of similarities, but a lot of the people who. Um, And, you know, I, I'm not in the US, I'm not in the UK. Maybe I, if I was in those situations, I would be equally livid and still rehashing <laughs> these things. But yeah, it feels to me like you're fighting I, that battle which has ended. I think I think it's difficult to step down from three and a half years of, of it. But but I'll also add that there's a there's a reality is going to set in now. And I'm not going to be... I... <laughs> I can't sit back and say, well, you know, the, you, you know, this is what we've been saying all the time is we've got to be very careful now that we, we can't go into the wide world thinking that that Britain is this great country that's got all these wonderful things. When in fact, 65 million people and the possibility of that being broken even more by uh, by Northern Ireland rejoining with Ireland, which is becoming more and more of a possibility. And uh, Bart can tell me if I'm wrong. And uh, Scotland heading for a second referendum by the end of the year, from what I can see, whether Boris wants it or not. I think there's a there's a there's a real risk that Britain starts overreaching now. And we have to be very careful in in how we do that. It, well, Donald I think Trump, that's, you know, You mentioned Donald Trump. He's already come out to say, oh, actually, um, yeah, we're, we're going to put you behind the EU when it comes to trade negotiations now. Well, I think that's, uh, and, that's yeah, pretty... It, it would be surprising that a country like the US would decide to prioritize a, a market of 60 million people over one of 300 million. Um, But that, so. that's still not the rhetoric we're getting here. And and right. I know you, you're saying I'm, I'm feel like an anti-Trump person going on, and, and there is an element of that. But but I think there's very much um, uh, an, an element of, you know, we have to be so careful. Yes, Brexit is done. Yes, we're leaving. And Remain has now become rejoin. 
um, we're very much campaigning. Well. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I admire. <laughs> that, I admire the project, right? Yeah, I, I admire the the uh, tenacity, of, but yeah, I, I do want to hear a little bit more from Gareth, um, who yeah. is, after all, uh, who represents it. What it what seems to be the majority of the British people, um, the winning side. Yeah, yes. yeah. Only, only <laughs> just. I mean, I, I'm just sat here thinking, you know, uh, we need Bruce. We need people to be Aww. anti the the <laughs> popular opinion because you, you've got to have balance in the world, you, you know. Without without wishing to sound, you know, really, really, um, really, really silly and, and unscientific, you know, there's the whole yin and yang. You know, there's good and bad, and, and if you've got fifty percent of the people saying one thing, you need fifty percent of the people to be saying the other thing, and you need some people to be really, really pro and some people to be really, really not. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put it quite like that. I think you need to hear the other side of the argument. But yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah, no, well, um, I, my, my, my take is going back to the, to the, to the fishing thing. I, I think this sort of highlights, again, a similar problem to, to, the, to the passport issue. So the Channel Islands have gone, uh, well, Brexit's happened, so we get to decide now. Um, and technically speaking, I, again, this is another one of those. I'm never quite sure exactly what's in the UK, what's in Great Britain, what's in the United <laughs> Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But the Channel Islands are a ballywicky, which is some kind of separate. I'm sorry. Entity. What 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 was this now? <laughs> Ballywick or ba ballywicky. Um, so so they are they are not. I think it's not part of the UK, but they are part of Great Britain. Or maybe it's the other way around. Um, so they yeah. they are allowed to make their own laws. Um, All right. Yeah, they are they are kind of independent. So they've gone. Well, Brexit's happened. Uh, we're allowed to do what we like. Basically, we don't have to get permission from mainland to do things. So we're going to decide that we don't want the French fishing vessels in our waters. And I think that they probably genuinely thought that they were allowed to do that. Mm. Whether they are or not, I, I have no idea, frankly. I, but I think they are. I think they are actually allowed to do that. Okay. Yeah, and and the fact that they then implemented that arguably not in the best possible way. You know, they didn't talk to people first. They didn't get the permit scheme, you know, ready so that it was quickly applied and and you know all that sort of stuff. That's sort of sort of a side argument, I guess. It's you know they should have got, had all of the ducks in line before before changing the rules. Mm. Um, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. If you know, if they're allowed to do that, then they're allowed to do that, and that sort of symbolises, to me, part of the point is, actually, it's something that they wanted to do. They made the decision and they did it, and they didn't have to wait for um, lots and lots of other levels of bureaucracy to and, ratify that. And uh, Gareth, yeah. oh. sorry, Gareth, can you can you stop making sense, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, possibly uh yeah <laughs> no i mean i i understand we we uh, now i'm going to turn into bruce who turned into an anti-trump never trump person um we i, I do don't you understand that in order for a gigantic population of 60 million people to function then you need to refer to a common uh administrative body that yes will take some time and will sometimes do things that you don't like but you can't just yes. have small groups of people and you know we break it down to those how did you call them bali wikis bali wiki yeah <laughs> bali wikis uh, it, it the subtext for me is that's the principle of of the eu and stronger together and yes i i that's not the point here but um, the, the fact that you're, you're saying, oh, they wanted to do it and that's what they wanted and, and so they could, so it's great. It's like, is it though? Is it? Gareth, is it? Well, from their perspective. <laughs> well, yes. Clearly. And I think, you know, no, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, each household should be able to decide you know, I'm going to decide, decide that actually, if you step onto my lawn, um, that murder is acceptable. Right. You know, that seems but, extreme. Yeah, it seems extreme. But, you know, I can say if people come into my house, take your shoes off. 
so okay that yes you know I, mean? I, I don't i don't know where you know i don't know where you draw the lines with these things there is still <laughs> international law. i guess you i guess you Doesn't draw the line at at the uk is not part of the eu so they can decide what they want for themselves i guess that's the it's, line we, but yeah. we have a parliament we have we have a governing organization that is in charge of the uk so it makes the decisions on right you know national level decision making right. we have local councils that make decisions on local issues of course so for for you know jersey guernsey ordinary sark and herm their governing bodies have said yeah do you know what no we, we this is a local thing it's to do with our fishing in our waters we are allowed to make the decision so we've done it so i guess my my i, I don't want to spend too much time on this this debate uh, specifically i did want to get your sentiment on which I, I, I can guess already, but um, the doomsday of December 31st, I'm guessing you don't think it's going to be so bad. No, I think it's going to be worse than the end of January was, mm. um, because I think there will be a lot of stuff that isn't isn't in place. There will be a lot of stuff that hasn't been sorted out properly. Um, but I don't, I think that will be the fault of the fault of the people that should be doing it, obviously. Um, but people will inherently think, "Oh, it's it's eleven months away, it's ten months away, it's nine months away. We don't need to worry about that yet. We'll get the paperwork in order. You know, we'll we'll work out what the tariffs have got to be." So there will be some problems, but I think they're not going to be end of the world. Mm. We're still going to be getting, you know medical supplies in and out of the country we're still going to be getting goods in and out um there might just be a bit of confusion over exactly who's supposed to be paying what tax where but i don't think that will stop anything necessarily right so you don't think there's going to be like significant as that's the 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 fear that was put forth for a a crash out i think you called it bart that's the uh, the proper term of medical supplies running out and stuff like that that has been saved off um, probably at least that's how you till the end of the year. Yeah, if things start to get difficult around Halloween time, you imagine there'll be, you know, stuff like medicines and stuff will get prioritized. Like, unless we have a real failure of politics, it shouldn't be calamitous. A real failure of politics is entirely possible, of course, but there's no reason to assume disaster at the moment. Like, you know, we plenty of time left later in the year to, to panic. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, we need to have clarity on exactly what people need to do. You know, some of my customers export to Ireland, to the EU, um, and it's really not clear what they're supposed to be doing at the moment. You know, the, for, for HMRC, so the, the government, the UK government's um, kind of treasury arm, have released some kind of information, but at the moment it's still all based on Lots and lots of ifs, buts, and maybes. <laughs> You're kind of so, arguing against your camp, Gareth. Now, I have to be yeah. honest. It's a little bit. Uh... Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I'm giving my honest opinion. I mean, right. I, I, I think... mean, so you expect it will be a little bit rocky. Uh, probably some things that won't be set by the end of this year, and then it might ex expand to, uh, you know, maybe a couple of years. Who knows? But you expect that no one will die because of what's happening or like no major huge catastrophe, just some expected rockiness is, if yes. I understand correctly. Uh, Bruce, yes. you're, you're, you're <laughs> waiting for your turn to, to say oh, something. Oh, so oh, go oh, ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, no, I was just I was want, wanting to uh, jump in and, and just say something against my loony left side. You know, I, I, I never said there was going to be, you know, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, <laughs> cats and dogs living together, you know, mass hysteria. But um, what 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 I think will happen is what Bart is saying. He seems to be the most sensible. And, you know, <laughs> is that is that it, it's going to be tough. But it's not going to be the end of the world. There will be, I think there will be casualties in that there may be people who can't get medication on time, but it's not going to be widespread and everywhere. And, you know, we'll, we'll, I, I, I honestly think it's going to be a tough period. I think the people who voted so when for you Brexit say casualties, are going to be. The, you think there might be a, at least yeah. some people who die, who literally die because of. I the think situation. I think there will be, um, and that is my doomsday scenario because one person dying for Brexit, I think, is too many. I hope that's not right, and I, and what I think will actually happen is that 
it'll just be a little harder for people. Their prices will go yeah. up um, and things like that and maybe travel be be a little more difficult. And if that's what, what the British people are willing to pay, then then fine. I disagree with it wholeheartedly, but I'm hoping this government who have who I have very little confidence in managed to get it through. And uh, so I agree. I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. Mm. Um, and I agree with Gareth exactly what he's saying there. I, if I, can, I do want to um we're we're gonna bring the show to a close fairly soon and i do want to hear from alex who's been very polite and silent um before we finish but uh i i do want to mention this might be a little bit of of kicking a hornet's nest uh um uh, for the argument's sake but I, I'm not sure that if you are, if you think Brexit is important for the well-being of the country for the next decades, maybe, you know, one person not getting their meds on time is an acceptable, you know, people die every day uh, from the flu, from car accidents. We accept that there are casualties from things that could have prevent, been prevented if we were more strict in some way. So I'm saying it so Gareth doesn't have to say it. Maybe a handful of <laughs> dead. Well, it's, thank you, because acceptable. I thought it, and I couldn't quite decide whether I was brave enough. No, I, I, th I think it's, it's a fair argument to make. I'm sure many people will disagree, but um, say, well, can, yeah, can anyway, I... so, and, and Bart, yes, uh, you yeah, wanted so to add something. What, what strikes me is that the effects are likely to be sort of statistical, right? So what you'll probably find is that because British companies are going to have some, uh, well, I really wouldn't want to be in the finance office of a British company because those people are in for a very tough January next year, no matter what happens, because there's going to be whole new paperwork and they're going to have to figure out whole new processes. And they probably won't know what they have to do until very close to the deadline, because this is going to go to the wire. So they're going to have a horrible time. And that'll be the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But your average British person isn't running a finance department in a company, so they're not going to have that kind of experience. What What's going to happen is that on average... Growth will be either less than it would have been if all the finance departments and all the companies weren't having a horrible month. And on average, trade will be a little bit lower than it would have been if there wasn't all this uncertainty. And on average, so you, what you're going to have is just a drag. So it's going to be that there will be less growth than there would have been. Maybe that means if growth would have been slack, then maybe that pushes the country into recession. But if growth would have been really good, it just slows the growth down a bit. Wage growth might slow down. And so what you'll have is company, there will be a little bit more unemployment. So you won't be able to say that job was lost to Brexit. But you will see in the statistics, there was a hit for one year, two years, three years, who knows? And then who knows? Because it really depends on what deal is negotiated. So you might look 10 years back and say, this is all fine because, yeah, we had a blip for two years, but now we're way where we would have been. Or mm. you might look and that blip could continue, continue, continue. I, I, I will say, I think um, the... It will be statistical unless someone doesn't get the meds they need and dies and then their family is on BBC4, you know, pointing fingers at Boris Johnson or something, you know, and saying and showing the kids whose dad isn't there anymore. And, you know, I, I think at, yeah, that point, at that point, it, but I mean, it still won't change anything. But uh, No, and that will be terrible. But... That has uh, Brexit has already become the scapegoat for anything that's wrong. Mm. You know, people all over Facebook and Twitter and walking around, you know, sitting in coffee shops and listening to people's conversations. Oh, it's because Brexit. <laughs> it's like it's uh, it's the <laughs> thanks yeah, Obama I, yeah, slash. I, I agree uh, with you. Uh, I tripped Trump over thing, whilst I was yeah. walking my dog because there was a loose curbstone, and it's because Brexit. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, you were saying you agree with that sentiment. I do agree. But but in, in contrast, they, people were saying we're doing that and then saying, oh, the bloody EU did that. So uh, let, let's move on. <laughs> I mean, yes, again, it's uh, it's as, as I was saying, thanks, Obama has become an iconic phrase. Um, thanks, Trump. There's a version of, of thanks, Trump as well. So, um, all right. We are going to bring the show to a close, but. Alex, uh, thank you for being, as we are uh, discussing in the Skype conversation, the most patient person in the world. Uh, I will give you the talking stick for the end of the show. 
Um, yeah, how do, how do you feel about all this? What do you think about the doomsday scenario or anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, first of all, um, completely in agreement with Bart. I think you're going to see like a statistical shift basically going on with this. So you've currently already got people in the UK, unfortunately, do die because they may, may miss their medicine or the uh, maybe the health system isn't working as efficient as it should. And what you'll see effectively is that you'll probably see a rise in that statistic increasing. But where you can directly blend that Brexit again, you'll never really be able to link it fully to it. It's one of those cases of basically is it correlates it is it correlation or causation uh, behind it? So you, you're always going to struggle to actually uh, mm. imply whether or not it was the case. And as I said, it's always going to be the boogeyman. Yeah, but and maybe... so the, the irony is, the, the problem is going to be that those who are for it are going to say one thing and the those who yeah. are against are, yeah, so that's going to muddy yeah. the issue, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing as well to add here, and maybe um, with the doomsday kind of scenario, it, at least from what I'm seeing so far in the UK, is the rhetoric from... Uh, the likes of Boris Johnson and some of the leading conservatives is that at the moment that they're saying, okay, yeah, we're going to get everything done in a year. They're now saying as well that, okay, we're going to shift further away from the EU. So it's looking as we more of a kind of differentiation between the EU than the UK than a lot of people expected, uh, particularly around some of the kind of the business regulations that are coming out now. So maybe we are kind of shifting towards a point where we're saying, actually, maybe the end of this year, we, we're not going to get everything done just because the vision they've currently got, at least they're putting out to the major media, is that things are going to be different compared to the EU. And then you've got the EU saying, okay, great, but this this can't be done in a year, is effectively what we're hearing from people in the EU at the moment. Mm. But everyone in the UK is saying, actually, no, we're going to do in a year, and it's going to be great. So I wonder if it's a bit like maybe we are shifting towards not the ultimate doomsday scenario, but it feels like we're, we're kind of slowly seeing like the beginning of it, like teetering at a few cracks, more of a division between the UK and the EU. So uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward anyway. Yeah, I guess uh, both are kind of... <laughs> both. The EU, I think, doesn't really care at this point. It's like, well, do you know, do what you want, but we're doing our thing. And the UK, the, the people in the UK, the politicians in the UK still have to posture a little bit more. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that going on, but... Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I guess we'll see. They're, they're definitely kind of peacocking, so to speak, uh, making themselves appear, brandishing yeah. themselves as big, hard men, I guess, to keep that kind of uh, yeah. ideal going. I mean, to, to be fair, uh, Boris Johnson did get it done, and it's now on its way. And that, if you remember, if you go back and listen to the first couple of episodes of the Brexit saga, wasn't a given. We weren't sure it was going to go that way. And uh, oh, he absolutely. managed. I, I think well, the one thing you said about Boris Johnson is that at least he's getting something done compared to where the UK has been right. over the past like three, four years. I, although I don't lean conservative and I didn't vote for them coming in and usually I wouldn't agree with them, I at least say I'm happy to see that we're just getting on with something at the very mm. least. Well, we'll uh, be able to discuss that. I don't know when the next Brexit saga is gonna is gonna be. I'll I'll call all of you back in at some point, but uh, I don't think the monthly thing makes a lot of sense for the next few months. So um, we'll see. We'll see what we do. Uh, thank you so much to all four of you for joining me on this little adventure, and uh, I'm very glad that we managed to talk about all of this together. Before we leave, uh, can you please let us know where you uh, officiate on the internet, Bart? <laughs> officiate? Goodness yes. me. Um, I think the easiest link to say, pronounce, spell, etc. is simply bartb.ie, where I link everything else to. And Patrick, may I make a small parting prediction? Please do. I think we are in for at least three months of posturing where everyone is going to say that they are completely not going to compromise on the whole list of things and going to draw red lines and it's going to be all hot air and it's going to look like a disaster for at least three months. And then the real work will begin. So don't panic if it looks like it's going to hell in a handcart in the short term, because it will. Oh, I <laughs> want to say what's in the chat, but I'm not going to say what's in the chat. Bruce, you may say that. <laughs> Bruce, where can people find you? Uh, I'm Bruce Wood. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Bruce Woodward three um, uh, on Twitter, uh, and that's where you'll find me. And I'm not going to say what I said in chat. I want uh, to it's, Bart, it's... Bart to say it in his wonderful accent. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll paraphrase the way the Irish would say it: "Willy waving." <laughs> I, I think this show it, it wouldn't be the worst thing that was said on this show, um, but I'll, I won't 
say it if you want. Um, <laughs> Gareth, what about you? Can people find you on the internet somewhere? You can. So I am at Gareth Westwood on Twitter. Um, I've recently started just putting a couple of videos up on YouTube as well, just going through doing some some kind of techie um, techie how tos and things. Um, that's under my company name, which is uh, Quietly Confident Technology. So if people wanted to go and have a look at that, feel free. Um, constructive criticism would be appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> um, the link to all of your Twitter accounts will be in the show notes. Uh, Alex, I think you don't have a Twitter account. Yeah, a little Ooh. bit of a, a social media request. I tell you what, my, my New Year's resolution is going to be get myself onto social media a bit more. So then next time I'm on the show, I'll be like, hey, guys, I, I finally have a Twitter account. <laughs> don't um, do it. Oh, don't do it, man. No. <laughs> it's not worth it. Seriously, don't know. Why? I'll Why out. would you put you th yourself through that? Well, it, it's, it's going to happen, hopefully. So uh, fingers crossed. I'll say just to All mirror right. what Bart said quickly as well, is I feel like we're going to have like almost like brexit junior now as like we've, <laughs> we've, we have the big brexit thing where it's like three years of posturing and then one year of oh crap let's get this done and now we're gonna have yeah three months or six months of posturing and then be like okay well we best actually do the work now yeah or and, nine uh, months and then everything will be decided yeah the last, i'm uh, worried it's gonna do the nine month thing instead of the three month <laughs> one i think but being a bit optimistic but we'll see <laughs> All right. Well, thanks uh, to all of you for being on. Uh, I'm Patrick Beja, not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. I, I'm a little bit more active there, not Patrick. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool tool. And I need 10,000 followers. So please do that. And um, what else? I will we'll be back uh, hopefully before the end of the month for a regular episode. And uh, then we'll have more fun. Talk to you then. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.